Well, hey, there was an event that happened in our lives, and I think maybe in yours as well, about a month back. This was a seemingly catastrophic event in our household, at least. Um, it seemed like the apocalypse was upon us. Um, there was something that took place in our area that completely put a pause on our life. The kids freaked out. They ran to us. Mommy, Daddy, this just happened. We don't know what to do. Rachel and I, not able to do anything. We looked at each other. We lost all means of productivity. We missed and lost all means of communication. Um, Maybe you have had this happen to you before. Maybe it's been the end of your world and especially your children's as well. We lost internet. Have you been there before? Okay, well, we live in a community that is growing, and part of that growth means infrastructure, and part of infrastructure means, oops, I cut the internet line. I don't know what the internet line looks like. Is it a hose full of internet? I'm not really sure, but somebody cut it from the Sunrise community being built right next to us. We live up in North Desert Oasis, just past the Dollar General, and I don't know if somebody was just pulling into the Dollar General real hot, crashed, took that line out. I don't know if they were building homes, getting ready to put roads in, and somebody cut it, but we lost all means of communication with the outside world in our house, and literally our girls came up to us nearly in tears. Mommy, Daddy, there's no internet right now, and look, we had to stop watching Bluey for about five minutes, okay? But then we, that's about an episode worth, but then we got back into it, and then we got an email or a notification from the HOA that, hey, the internet is going to be out for a few hours on this day. And I remember we had to make plans around that. I know that I had to, all right, if I don't have internet, then I'm not going to be able to send emails. I'm not, I don't know about you, um, I can't send a text message from our house if I'm not on Wi-Fi. We get no signal, we can send no signal. That's just how it works. If it's not a blue bubble text message from an i an iDevice, an Apple device to another, it's not going to happen. I have an iPhone, as God intended, and if you have an Android, <laughs> then we can't communicate, okay? God's chosen people, Gentile pay, I don't know, I don't know, maybe that, that doesn't necessarily line up to the Bible, but <laughs> Jacob's a pagan, just so you know, Android party, unite over here, don't revolt this morning. So it threw off our entire day, it threw off our girls' day. And in that moment, and in reading the scripture that we are going to read this morning in John 15, verses 1 through 12, as Jesus is talking about us abiding in him, I wonder how often we approach our walks with the Lord as we do access to the internet. A lot of us in this room, a lot of us, not all of us, and that's crazy for me to say right now, but a lot of us grew up in the age where the internet just came out. We suffered through the trials of dial-up internet. You guys remember that? You had to be committed to the ways of Al Gore and the internet, all right? If you wanted to get on a web page, you had to wait 15 to 30 minutes, unless you were just rolling in dough, all right? And now, data is just something that we have. It comes to our phones, we send data out, it is happening all the time. And when we are without it, our lives are absolute disasters. We can't connect with people we love, we can't with, connect with people that we don't love, but that we need to connect with, maybe at work, wherever that is. We cannot be productive. We cannot do anything because we don't have the internet. And so as I'm reading through today's scripture, I'm thinking, how much of us treat our walks and our lives with Jesus in this same way? If I'm not connected to Jesus, as Jesus says today, I cannot do anything. 
But instead, we get so busy being connected to everything else and every distraction that's out there that we just go on and we completely forget about connecting to Jesus. We completely forget about our walks with him. And I can't tell you the last time outside of maybe sermon prep when my kids had way too much sugar and they came home and I'm sitting there trying to read the Bible. I can't tell you the last time I got up so that I could go into a setting where I could be more intentional, more focused in on the word of God. I think that's just something that's lost its priority. As data, as the internet, as connectivity has gone up and up and up in our lives, I think that the priority of our walks with Jesus has gone down, 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 down. And that's because of distraction. And if that is you, please know that I do not have anything figured out except that Jesus loves me and he's forgiven me and I have new life in him. And so I am struggling through this just like you are. When we find ourselves in the story today, we find ourselves in the same farewell discourse that Jesus is communicating to his disciples. And Jesus is saying, hey, gentlemen, the internet is about to go out. My disciples, I am leaving you. He is preparing them for his upcoming death. He is preparing them for his resurrection. He is preparing them for his ascension. And he is explaining to them the importance of staying connected to him. My disciples, I am not going to be here physically any longer. But as I am not here physically, we can still be connected spiritually. Stay connected. Abide, Jesus says, over and over. Abide in me. This is what my disciples do. And so, church, if you are here and you are a believer, you have put your trust, your faith, your hope for forgiveness, for resurrection, for salvation in Jesus, that makes you a disciple. And so what Jesus is saying to us this morning, not just what he was saying to his disciples so many years ago, but what he is saying to us this morning is, hey, focus in, get connected, and stay connected. You need me, and I need you to stay connected to me if you are going to do what I have set out before you. So we're going to be in John verses 15, 1 through 12 today. Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine. And my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and they are thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
There are two roles that take place throughout these 12 verses. Those two roles are the divine role, and then there is our role. And so within the divine role, we see that there is Jesus and that there is God. And so first, we focus on Jesus. What is Jesus saying? The same thing that he has been saying the last six weeks. And on this seventh and final sermon of who is Jesus, once and for all, Jesus is saying the last time in John, his seventh and final I am statement, he says, I am the true vine. But what does Jesus mean when he says, I am? The same thing he has been saying throughout this entire gospel. I am God. He is referring back to the Old Testament. He's referring back to the Exodus event when Moses stood before the burning bush. And he's saying, well, Yahweh, who should I say that is sending me? And God says, I am. And Moses goes before Pharaoh and says that. And God starts to go to work in Israel. What Jesus is saying here when he says, I am, is not just that I am this thing that I'm about to say next, but that I am God. And so, church, who is Jesus? Let's answer this question. First and foremost, Jesus is God. And then Jesus continues, and he says, I am the true vine. So he's saying, I am true. Truth means fact. This is not opinion. This is not preference. I think especially in today's world, we have to really clarify what truth is. This is not go find your own truth, which is just your opinion that you have put up on a throne and is really not applicable to anyone else, but to make your life more convenient. You said, no, this is true for me. No, that is nonsense. What this is saying is that I am the true vine. That means that this is the genuine article. This is not preference. This is not opinion. This is truth. You hold anything else up to this truth and it will be proven false. It will be proven counterfeit because it cannot hold up to the truth of Jesus. And we will see that because there is a true vine, there is also a false vine. And then Jesus says, I am the true what? Vine. Jesus is saying, I am the true source of life. And so because there is a true vine, there is a false vine, and this false vine is Jesus, once again referring back to the Old Testament. And he is saying that Israel was the old vine. Israel was often referred to as the vine. The way to God, what Jesus is saying here, he is summarizing it all up. The way to God is not through Israel. The way to God is through me. Jesus is saying the way to God is through me. It is not through citizenship. It is not through you being Jewish. It is through discipleship. It is through abiding and being connected to me. We look at that and we think, well, what does it mean to be a part of Israel? What did that mean for these people? What had to take place? In order for you to be a part of Israel, you had to be a Jewish person. In order to be, to be a Jewish person, you had to, if you were not already in that culture, you had to be circumcised. Woohoo! Let's sign up. Said no one. Secondly, you had to bring your sacrifice to the altar. So the best of the best of what you have, whether that be your best animal, your best meat, your best grain, whatever that is, for your intentional sins, for the sins you don't know about, you are bringing before the altar so that you can be put back in right relationship with God. You can be cleansed of your sin. And that meant also that you celebrated every festival and every holy day. Now that sounds fun, right? Break out the vats of wine. Let's celebrate God. Well, 
Yes, and also this is incredibly busy. This means a lot of travel. If you did not live near the temple, that meant you're traveling to the temple. That meant to take part in these holy worship ceremonies that you had to be a part of. You had to take off of work. You had to travel. Travel took expenses. And then when you were there, you had to find a place to stay. You had to have resources to live. And so this was a lot of your year. These people were partying quite frequently. And so what Jesus is saying is this is no longer the way. You are no longer doing X, Y, Z to get to God. What Jesus is saying is I am the way to God. I have done all the work. And when you find yourself in me, you find yourself on the road to salvation. You find yourself in relationship with God because of the work that Jesus was about to do as he is explaining to his disciples. We've said this over and over and over again throughout the series. It is not about what we do to get to God because we can never do enough, but it is about the work of Jesus and what he has done that puts us in right relationship with God when we accept him as Savior. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the way to the Father. I am the source of true life. If you want true life in God, well, it's not through Israel anymore. It's not through being a Jewish person. It's not through these ceremonies. It's through me. I am am the way. You receive life through me. You find the way to God in me. And why is that? Because he is God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is divine. Then we see God. And what is God doing? God is vine dressing. That means he is tending to the grapevine. He is tending to the garden. There were two different Uh, vineyard songs that the Israelites would sing throughout the Old Testament. As they were working in the vineyard, they would sing these songs, and a lot of them refer to God treating Israel like they were the vine because they were the first vine. And so God is tending to Israel. They are the vine in the garden, and he is the vine dresser. And throughout Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, it talks about the Lord loving the garden. It talks about his concern for the garden. That is Israel. He has dug it up. He has planted the seeds. They have started to grow. He is watering them. He is protecting them. He is making sure that no thistles and thorns are coming up next to his vine. And then as the vine starts to yield grapes, it doesn't yield the grapes that he intended. It yields wild grapes that could not be used for the wine of the vineyard. And so this plan of Israel being the way to salvation, the way to God, did not fail in every mean, but it failed in the sense of this vineyard that God was tending to and its purpose of showing the world around them the way to salvation, the way to Yahweh, the way to relationship with the Father. They have failed in that because they did not yield healthy fruit. They yielded wild grapes. And so God tends to them. But we see that out of Israel comes the Messiah. And so the plan, it wasn't going from plan A to plan B. The plan still succeeded because the plan always stayed the same because it was fully realized in Jesus. So God tends to his vineyard and he gets wild grapes. I think for our younger audience in here this morning, we're talking a lot about vineyards and you're a little confused. You've never heard of a vineyard before. You don't really know what gardening is like. I'm not looking at you, all right? (laughs) I got it. What are you talking about? All right. Sorry, Grady. But I think another way to think of this is to think of this like 
God has a cell phone data network, all right? And he has access to your, yeah, I went real just full-on technology right there, okay? (laughs) If you're in Gen Z, you best be listening right now. We just went from gardening to your device. God has a cell phone network. God has a data network. And as that network provider, as that carrier, he has access to our device. And because he has access to our devices, he tends to our devices. We see that there are two roles of the vine dressers, the two roles of God here. One is that he takes away branches that don't, wear, that don't bear fruit. And so he removes believers. He, he removes people that are untrue, that may have a head knowledge, but not necessarily a heart knowledge when it comes to Jesus. He removes these people who say that they are believers, and maybe they even have some actions that look like they're believers. Maybe they go to church. Maybe they give to charities. Maybe they even tithe on a Sunday. Maybe they drop their kids off because they're concerned about them. But really, at the bottom line, the connection has never been made between the knowledge that they have in their heads and then the transformation that is needed within their hearts. They have the knowledge, but they've never taken the leap of faith to put their trust and their faith in Jesus. And we see that when we see Judas. We see a man who was a disciple of Jesus for three years. He followed Jesus. He saw the miracles. He was around the teaching. And he just didn't get it. And in the end, Judas betrays Jesus, showing once and for all, truly, you don't understand that this man is the way. Truly, you don't understand that this man is the Messiah. And so what Jesus is saying is when he is removing the dead branches, when God is removing them, he is taking out the untrue believers. For our Gen Z people in the house, God removes the phones that are no longer connecting to his signal. He gets rid of inactive phone numbers on that network. And the second thing that the vine dresser does is he ensures maximum fruit production. That means that he prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they will bear more fruit. Now this is talking about the believers, the Christians, his disciples, the people that are bearing fruit. And what he is doing in the life of those Christians is called sanctification. He is making sure that they are more like Jesus. What God is doing is saying, hey, you've given your life to me. Surely your branch is connected to the vine, and my nourishment is flowing through you, and I am seeing myself in you, and that is producing fruit through your life. There are things that people can look at you and say, that is a follower of Jesus. That is a person that is different. And God is also saying that there are some areas in your life that are dead. There are some areas in your life that you haven't submitted to me, and I I don't want you in here to feel shame for that. When we come before the King of Kings and his perfect light shines down on us, we realize all of our imperfections. And he sees that, and he loves that, and he knows that, and he wants to work with that, and he wants to grow that. And so that is what this pruning is doing. Oftentimes it's in the hardest times of life that we get pruned. It's in our questioning of ourselves. It's in our questioning of other people. It's in our questions of God. It is in our fears. It's in our doubts. It's in our insecurities. Certainly in my life, it has been in my failures and in my flaws. It's been in doors that I thought were open that then closed. It's been bad diagnoses from a doctor. It's been death in in a friend or in the family. It's been big, uneasy transitions. It's often these places that we find ourselves in that just stink, that are completely uncomfortable, and we are completely out of our element, where we have to fully rely on God. And when we fully rely on him, he says, all right, 
I see that your branch is connected to the vine. And I see this thorn over here. I'm going to trim that. And when he prunes it off the branch, you know it hurts at first. But ultimately, it brings nourishment to other parts of the plant that need it. And it bears more fruit. So no matter what it is that you are going through right now, no matter what questions that you may have, know that God is at work in your life. And he is doing things in your life so that you will become more like Jesus, that you will bear more fruit. Again, for our Gen Z people in the house, this is God deleting distracting or unused applications to make space for more storage on your device so that he can download those applications that will benefit himself, that will benefit ourselves, and that will benefit other people. And then we come to point two this morning, and that is our role. God has a role. There's a divine role. Jesus has a role. We have a role. first part of our role takes place in verse 3. It says, we are cleaned. That's good news, church family. We are clean. That means we are cleaned of our sin. That means that we are forgiven. We are freed of our old selves. This is referring back to chapter 13 in John, where Jesus says in verses 10 through 11 of chapter 13, Jesus said to him, to the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. And so God is taking us, Jesus is taking us, and we are being cleaned in him by staying connected to the vine. That means all the viruses, all the malware, all the ad trackers, everything that is negative on your device that is bringing it down is being cleared off. Verse 4, we see that we abide in him, and this is crucial. So what is abiding? This is the focal point of what Jesus is saying when it comes to us. What is abiding? Abiding is remaining, and it is connecting to Jesus continually throughout your day and on a daily basis. Abiding is characterized in trust, in prayer, in obedience, and in joy, and we are about to dive into those things. This means that we stay connected to him. To abide means to remain. So we connect to him, and we remain in him. It's not just when we wake up in the morning. It's not just when we read through our devotional, if we're doing that. It's not just when we're bumping some sick worship beats on the way to work, if we're doing that. It's all throughout the day. It's lifting up every single little prayer. God, this is what I'm going through right now. This is where I need you. God, this sunrise right here is beautiful. Thank you for making that. God, my boss just came in my office and he just said this to me. And I'm not really sure that I can handle that. It's going before God with every little thing. And again, for our Gen Zers, this is us being connected to his Wi-Fi network. We are abiding in him. This is us being on his 7G, all right? I know a lot of us are frustrated with 4G because everything's switching to 5G, and we're like not really sure about 5G. It's government trying to control my mind. I'm not sure, but 7G, that's God's network. We can trust it. Until it's an actual network, and I I never said that, okay? (laughs) Then we see that we are the branches. And in being the branches, we receive nourishment from him. We are his devices. We receive his data. In verse 7, we abide in Jesus and his words in us. We connect with Jesus, and he connects with us through his words. So we need to be continually in prayer with him. Not just saying a whole bunch of stuff to him throughout the day, but listening to what he has to say back to us in our hearts 
and to the Spirit. We need to be making sure that we're spending time in His Word that is written on our hearts. If it weren't for God's Word, there's not a single person in this room that would be a believer today. So let's not neglect the same exact thing that brings salvation to our lives in the good news of the gospel. It's the most important thing that we can start our days off with. Spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word. How can we know we're in God's will if we don't know God's Word? How can we walk in God's power if we're not in God's will? How can we be the church and display the kingdom if we are not in Jesus? And how could we be in Jesus if we don't know what Jesus is saying in our lives? So let's open it up. It's not just a dusty book that holds things up on your shelves. It's the living, breathing Word of God, and it is critical. So we bear fruit. That's what it's all about. And we see that fruit in Galatians 5, through 23 looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And so when we hold up our branches, when we look at our branches, let's examine the fruit. Is that the fruit that is on our branches? Can we at least find two or three different colored grapes that look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness? If we can't find a single one of these, we have to ask ourselves, am I connected to the vine? Is my branch connected to the vine? Is my life abiding in Jesus? If I don't look anything like Jesus, how can I say I follow Jesus? If I don't do the things that Jesus did, how can I say that I am his disciple, that I follow him? If we cannot find any of these things, we have to ask ourselves, have we withered up? Have we broken off? Have we been gathered off to the side for a stack that will be cast out, that will be burnt? We have to make sure that we are bearing fruit because that means that we are in Jesus and we need to abide in Jesus. The next bit of fruit is prayer. In verse 7, we see it. This is communication. We ask and we receive. We are aligned to him. And again, this doesn't mean that you just ask for whatever you want. You ask for what is aligned to God's will. Another reason it is crucial for us to spend time in the word. We're not asking for Ferraris, Lamborghinis. We're asking for the will of God. We know he will provide for our needs as we've learned over the last six weeks. So as we align ourselves to what he wants, the desires of our hearts change from what we want for ourselves to what we need in the lives of others. We intercede for other people. Jesus, my friend, needs a relationship with you. Otherwise, I'm certain that they are going to hell. Would you use me in their life to bring them into relationship with you? God, I cannot be the father and the leader that this family needs if I am not connected to you. Will you grow me? Will you show me what that means in my family? We connect with God. And through our communication back and forth, our relationship is strengthened. We've got a lot of married couples in this room this morning. I want you to take your marriage real quick. And now, here's your marriage. Man, wife, in between you. Perfect communication and harmony. <laughs> Not remove that communication. What are you now? Some of you are like, well, <laughs> my marriage the last five years, okay? And to that, I would say, let's fight. Let's fight for communication. Because without that communication, husband and wife, spouses, become roommates. And roommates is just a precursor to divorcees. We have to communicate. 
And Jesus is saying that you are part of the branch. You are the branch. I'm the vine. We have to communicate. You have to come back to me, and I have to come back to you. This nourishment flows back and forth, back and forth. The more communication there is, the stronger the relationship. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about me and Rachel and how dysfunctional our marriage is for a second. I'm sorry, babe. We're going to be real transparent here. We were sitting down the other day. We were just looking at the last 11 years of our marriage, trying to figure out where we're going here in the future. And just kind of surveying, like, okay, what has the last few months been? And I made the comment of, you know, like, I feel like we are arguing more than ever. And just, like, over little things. And she, with the darkness of the truth and all reality and also the grace of Jesus and love, said, you know what? It's because we're communicating now. And we're not just taking all of our problems and hiding them in a closet and pretending that they don't exist. I think we do that with God all the time. We just, here's all my stuff that I don't want you to know about, but I know you do, but let's just pretend you don't. I'm going to hide that in the closet. And eventually our lives implode. We never took it to Jesus. We wonder why we're not connected to him. Same thing for our marriage. We're able to talk about things, and certainly there's more conflict because we're two completely polar opposites of people but there's also communication and working through those things. And sure, they may come to a peak, but eventually they come down and we start to get rational and we start to think, okay, this is happening because of this. And because I can take it to her and she can take it to me, we can work through that and in the end be stronger. And so communication is key, not just in your marriage, not just to your kids, but in your walk with Jesus. And we see another fruit of being connected to the vine is joy. We're going to talk about that more here in a little bit. And we see in verse 8 that we glorify God when we bear fruit. And we are intended as believers to glorify God. Our fruit bearing is a form of worship to Him. And then in verse 9, we see that we abide, we abide in Jesus' love as He does in us. He says that he keeps, we keep His commandments as He did the Father's. So we see that obedience, our obedience to Jesus and his commands come out of love. We have three rules in our house for our girls. Those rules are don't fight, don't fight, don't hit each other when you fight, okay? It's not our rules. This is not an octagon. <laughs> our rules are immediate obedience. When I tell you to do something, that means now. That doesn't mean that you delay. It is be respectful. If I say something, you need to respect me. If your mama says something, you best respect her. And then the third one is handle your emotions. All right, chick, I know you're a little girl, but let's take a break on the tears. If we need to remove ourselves from the situation, let's do that, but let's handle our emotions in a loving manner right now. Let's take time. Let's process the room. And you know what we found for our little girls? Is they're obedient. 80% of the time, they're obedient. <laughs> and their obedience isn't out of fear. I don't reign over our house with an iron fist. I'm not an authoritarian. I try to lead and love my girls with grace as Jesus would. Our girls obey because they love. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. When Jesus says, do this, we do that. Because we love him. And then we see what happens when we don't abide. Verse 5, we see that we can do nothing outside of Jesus. Let's get this. As a young church plant that has grown faster than we could have ever imagined, let's grab on to this truth. 
Let's live out this truth in our lives, in our community. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Absolutely not. We cannot bear fruit. We cannot be productive for the kingdom. We cannot glorify God. If we aren't connected, we can't do anything. I asked my mom to cut a branch off of her lime tree this morning. And I also found out this morning, thank you, sir, that lime trees have thorns. As Stephen just realized, because he's bleeding right now. <laughs> this is a lime branch right here. My mom cut it off the tree, just like I asked her to. It is no longer connected to the tree. It's no longer connected to its source of nutrients. Now, as a church, what if we came together, all of us? It's probably, what, 150 people here this morning, all over the church. Let's all gather around, and let's really think hard. How do we put fruit on this vine? How do we come together and persuade this branch to bear fruit once more? You think we could do it? We got some pretty smart people in this room. We got degrees. We got some jobs that are just elevated. We got a guy that knows Jeff Bezos. I'm talking like we can figure this out right here. What's the best we could do? Maybe if we just work hard enough, right? Maybe if we just brought more people in, then we could really figure it out. Maybe if we just put some sweat, put some grit, put some elbow grease into it, I bet then we would really see some limes start to pop up. You know, the best we can do is to get some super glue and glue a lime onto this bad boy, and still that would be fake. Well, I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be a church that is disconnected from Jesus but is working so hard to look like God is at work. I want to be the church that abides in Jesus, that remains connected in him and says, we cannot do this without you. We are lost, we are scared, and we are confused in this community because without you, we can do nothing. We can work ourselves into burnout. We can put ourselves in the hospital, but without you, Jesus, and us abiding in you and resting in you, we are the branch that is connected to the vine, and our branch, especially as a church and as individuals that make up a bigger body will never bear fruit. So we have to remain in Jesus if we want to bear fruit. Outside of Jesus, we can do nothing. Outside of Jesus, we can never see our community come into relationship with Jesus. Outside of Jesus, you cannot save your marriage, and he cannot save your marriage because you are not allowing him to work in your life. Without Jesus, you cannot lead your family members to him. Without Jesus, you cannot submit to the leadership that is within your life. Without Jesus, we cannot reach our friends, our families, and our coworkers, and our acquaintances because we are disconnected from the vine. And we're doing all that we can to be connected. But it's not about us. And it's not about what we can do to get reconnected to that vine as the branch. It's about Jesus. Let's connect to him, let's abide in him, let's stay connected to him, and let's see his fruit be bared in our life. And then verse 6, you're thrown away and we are burned. If we do not abide, we are thrown away and we are burned. And this is a harsh truth, but this is truth. This is not preference. I don't think if people were writing the Bible, they would preferentially say, yeah, if you're not in Jesus, you're just going to burn. There's nothing that's easy about that. But it is the truth, and it holds up, and it stands true, and it's an unfortunate reality that we have to face, that those who are outside of the Father, that do not have a relationship with Jesus, 
There's an eternity that all of us are going to spend, and that is in heaven with God, or that is in hell outside of his presence, outside of his love, outside of his grace. We have to process that, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. We have to take ownership of that. We have to realize that this is why it's mission critical that we bear fruit. Because there is a barren world. There is a stack of dead branches that are out there. Because there is a world of fruit-bearing Christians who have never said anything to any one of them. This is our job. This is why we need to bear fruit. Not just so that we can love everyone around us straight to hell, but so that we can love them, we can serve them, and we can share the gospel with them so that they can have hope, so that they can have life because they see hope, they see life in us because it's fruit that we bear. And we share that fruit with them. And finally, we see that Jesus wants us to abide. Why? Verse 11, that we may have joy and we may have joy in full. What is joy? Joy is not happiness. Happiness is something that is based off of external things. It is like a six-year-old birthday party that's just full of sugar and delicious cake and hopefully not trick candles because that six-year-old's going to go from up here to down here real quick. Somebody's going to pick on them at their party and they're going to go from super happy to super depressed. That is happiness. Happiness is controlled and determined by external factors, but joy, joy is found in Jesus way, way, way down in our hearts. And joy is resilient. Joy cannot be swayed. Joy is something that when we hit the bottom, we can always turn to and access because it lives inside of us. And joy comes from when we realize that we are his. Joy comes from when we realize that he is ours, that we are new, that we are free, and that we are loved. So as a church, let's not play the vine like Israel did where God tended to them, and they bared fruit, but it wasn't the fruit that God intended, and therefore, things ran amok. Let's abide in Jesus. Let's bear fruit. Let's stay connected to Jesus. Let's bear the fruit of Jesus. Let's love others, and let's experience full joy in abiding in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Help us. To abide in you. Father, we're so busy. We're so distracted. Help us to be connected to the vine that is your son. God, give us resilience and give us hope when the pruning comes. For the believers in here, help us to embrace the pruning so that we may bear even more fruit. That we may become even more like Jesus, even in the hardest times of our lives. Father, for the person that is not connected to the vine, for the branch that has withered up, that has grown dry, that has piled up on the side to be taken away, Father, before final judgment, before any burning, any fire hits the scene, Jesus, we pray that through the love of you, through your sacrifice on the cross, your death, your burial, and your resurrection from the dead three days later, victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over the enemy in our lives, that they would come into relationship with you, that they would become connected to the vine, that they would be a branch that 
receives nourishment from you and then offers nourishment right back through prayer. That they would be a branch that bears much fruit. That they would go from death to life because of what you have done for us, Jesus. If that is you in here this morning, you would say that you have never come to a place of putting your faith in Jesus and that is something that you want more information about or if that's something that you want to do today on your Connect card, there's a spot that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. If you would just check that box, if you'd put it in the, in the giving box on your way out, we would love to talk to you about that. And also for the believers in here, may we bear more fruit Holy Spirit, well up inside of us that we may bear more fruit in you, Jesus, so that the lost in our community can come into relationship with you, so that we can lead and love and live in our families, so that you can use us right where you have put us, Jesus. We love you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.